All right, welcome to the Retro Spectacle. This is episode 18, Clean Alternative Energy Sources of Today and Tomorrow. my favorite Doctor Who beer. Or should I just call it Doctor Who related? <laughs> Alright, well this is the Drink 5 podcast, uh, the Retro Spectacle podcast, excuse me. And uh, tonight we are here, we're going to talk about clean energy, um, kind of, you know, the alternatives to today's energy, uh, and a few of the things that we can look forward to. Um, so Dave, as always, we must start out, um, by talking about what it is we're drinking tonight. So what is it that you've got, that you had open there already? I don't know why everybody's (laughs) always picking on me. Uh, I'm drinking a Miller High Life to start off the evening because everything else will be better. It's only picking on you if you can't own it, Dave. (laughs) Well, I can own it for sure. All right. I, I love, I love craft beers. I love craft, craft whiskey and other, other cocktails, but... I can still get down on uh, PBR or... But today it's a High Life and some Jameson. Or a Coors Light or something every once in a while. Yeah. No, it's not only that. I'm drinking a Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, which is probably my favorite IPA that is out there. Um, and we've also got uh, what looks like Lizard King from Pipeworks to go. It's on deck, we'll say. Yeah, and uh, so just to clarify, um, we're just going to be talking about some of the uh, clean energy sources that are out there right now and some of the ones that are being developed for the future, right? That's right. You know, there's no denying climate change is uh, due to all the fossil fuels we're burning. I think that uh, anybody who I come across in daily life, um, you know, agrees with that. And it's clear, like, you know, we got to do something about that. So uh, what I wanted to know is what are the solutions that are out there right now that we can actually use to help replace all the stuff that we've been burning over the last 150 years, you know, since we started like the industrial age and started putting massive amounts of carbon in the sky to run society, you know, what can you do uh, to change that? Like, what can we use to change that? Well, I think it is important to note, first of all, right, that, that what we've done so far to create energy, though it might be emitting, you know, bad things into the environment, be that as it may, uh, is what has led us to be so technologically advanced. If you look at a third world country that doesn't have those abilities, for example, they're still you know, uh, living in squalor and not able to even cure the simple air pollution problems of like dung and you know, things like that. So, oh yeah, totally. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and we've, we've developed things like wind and solar, but they haven't been uh, cost effective enough or, or good enough to replace things yet. So um, so we're saying perhaps uh, we're, we're edging upon that, that time, that um, uh, the, the ability for us to, to finally start to replace things uh, with other energy sources. Right. And there isn't one like answer. It'd be a very short podcast if we had just one answer for it. What's the answer? Uh, well, you know. If it was just one answer. I, I have to save it to the end. Otherwise, people won't listen. Is it nuclear fission? So anyway. No, we use <laughs> nuclear fission now. Fine. Right. Um, but, Is it matter you know, antimatter? <laughs> like you're saying, you know, these these countries, they can't clean their air. Like, China has so many problems with air, yet they lead the world in production of hydroelectric power, of wind power. So, you know, it, it, no one thing is going to be the answer. Obviously, you need a whole lot of different things to make up, uh, you know, all the energy that we use as a society now. A, a slew. A slew of energy sources. 
So here in the United States, we burn coal and natural gas for the majority of the electricity that we use. Most of what we talk about today is going to be centered around what we use to power society, not what we use to power our vehicles. Yeah, what's interesting is like, so for example, just for our electricity here at the house, um, we, we've had different kinds of energy providers, um, some that have been renewable and some that, that haven't been. And renewable is separate, by the way, from clean. Those are different terms. They mean different things. Right. Um, but for example, uh, we had energy for a while that was super cheap. It was being provided and supplied, uh, not provided, I guess, because provided kind of means delivery, but supplied by uh, yeah. coal and natural gas, like you said, and mm-hmm. those end up being some of the cheapest. So you might get 5.5 cents per kilowatt hour. Especially Illinois like is the second largest producer of coal in the country. So yeah, yeah it's going to be cheap for us. But now you can, you can get uh, clean and renewable energy sources like wind turbines, etc. Um, that is only a little bit more expensive, something like seven cents per kilowatt hour, for example. It's pretty competitive. As I was looking, uh, doing the research for this, you know, the highest average in the country is New York at 16 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, actually, Hawaii is the highest, which is like double that, but Hawaii is a very unique situation. So here on the main grid, New York is the highest. Um, so when you look at seven cents uh, living in, you know, Cook County, Illinois, that's a pretty good deal, I think. Yeah, but it's like a, it's also like I'm taking this on a side note, but it's kind of like Comcast, right? So if you are buying cable, then you get a good rate for a while, but then it just starts climbing forever. <laughs> I, I can't imagine some of the people that have hooked on to energy programs uh, where they're getting something for a good deal, but then they have just decided not to ever revisit that. Like on our sure. last on our last bill, being very personal, um, you know, we were getting a service that was providing like seven and a half cents per kilowatt hour energy for twelve months. But if you let that lapse and don't change it, then they can do whatever they want on a variable rate kind of thing. The contract literally lets them do whatever they want. So we were paying for a little while, um, like twelve cents per kilowatt hour, just because they can raise it and we can't do anything about it except for change. Except for change. Uh, suppliers. So it's it's really interesting, uh, these companies in, in general. But of course, I mean, I, I can't fault them, right? You're going to make as much money as you can, however you can, right. until you can't. Exactly. And, you know, that's always going to happen. So, you know, ultimately, when we look at coal, we look at natural gas, they're limited, you know, over the long term. The natural gas reserves that we have in the United States, and we're a large producer of natural gas, uh, would last us about 80 years. Not, uh, you know, that long in the future people listening to this podcast may live for another 80 years so that's clearly not something that could uh, provide answers long term you know we want to talk about a energy you know providing society's energy needs for hundreds of years or thousands of years not for the next 200 years you know which coal only you know united states produces the most coal we only have 260 years of coal and that's even that's way dirtier than natural gas so it's not like we want to burn that much. Imagine, you know, what would happen if we burned the rest of the coal on the planet. There would just be black atmosphere everywhere. Um, so I, I think definitely it's unreasonable to think that we could consider, uh, subsist long term while burning fossil fuels. So, Dave, what's one non-renewable energy source you'd like to eliminate immediately? If you could just wave a magic wand and say, go away this. <laughs> which one which one do you want to make disappear uh okay well for me i would have to look and i i uh I, i'm not exactly sure what all the numbers are but i would have to look personally at those things that have a high 
costs uh, that are very disparate in, in costs. So, for example, if we could eliminate uh, the use of, of, um, of oil um, and replace it with something else, but it didn't cost three times as much or two times as much or, you know, whatever. Right, right. To, to get the same amount of energy, then, then that's what I would do first because I think that um, that's something we're going to have for a long time because we have lots of things that run off of it. That, and natural gas, I guess, as well. But I, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in the field. Is there one that's, that's more bad for the environment than others? Sure. I mean, there's different degrees of it. One of the ones that I... Uh, think is one of the dirtiest is the tar sands. You know, they have uh, these gigantic open pit mines up in Canada and they just strip the land because there's there's tar with oil in it just throughout the ground. So what does dirty mean? Just that you're putting like CO2 and other chemicals back it into takes, the atmosphere? Exactly. Like you're operating heavy machinery, just getting it out. And it takes an awful lot of that. In fact, the price point of gasoline made from Oil sands is around like three dollars a gallon, I think, which is higher than gas is right now in uh, in the United States. So it it gets to the point quickly where it's not even economically feasible to to get it out. It's just that there's been a lot of uh, a lot of stuff built up around it that they keep, you know, they need to keep operating it. Otherwise, they lose even more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's one of the ones which, I, if I could wave a magic wand and make it go away, I, you know, I'd love to do that. So, what do you think? Um, we what type of energy source do you think that we use the most in the United States, and not just for electricity, but for everything? I'm probably the wrong person to ask. <laughs> I'm asking you because I because I I just want to know what you think, like as someone who probably never thinks about that. But but you're asking me, so uh, I, I I guess I would assume that. And, and what are all the different sources for me to pick from? Make it a multiple choice question. Well, like we've been mentioning, so you've got oil, you've got natural gas, you've got coal, uh, you've got nuclear power. So from those four, which one do you think is w- w- that we use the most in our society? Uh, I, I mean, I know we have some nuclear facilities here. I mean, there's some even even sort of nearby us in, in Illinois. But Yeah, there's one in Zion, I know. I don't know exactly how much that is as a percentage. It's probably a more efficient uh, power source than the other ones. But uh, I guess since the United States is so big, and I don't think, uh, I don't think we're one of the biggest uh, um, oil suppliers, but I don't really know. Uh, I, I'm going to say coal. I'm just going to guess coal. Ah, well, um, we do use a lot of coal for our um, electric power. That's the biggest provider of our electric power. But overall, we use petroleum the most, meaning oil. So most of that oil goes towards transportation. um, We're using that the most, but not necessarily producing it, right? Right, but this isn't about what we produce. This is about what we use. Okay. Um, Well, then, yeah, there's so many cars, so many everythings. Yeah, okay. And we actually overall use more natural gas than coal. Which is good, sort of, for the environment. We've sort of scaled back on coal because coal is about twice as dirty as natural gas is when you burn it. So you imagine that we've we've already there's probably already been initiatives and standards to start lowering our dependence on. Yeah, well, I mean, the EPA started it back in like 1970. It was Nixon. So, um, you know, thank you, Nixon, for that one. That that. You get a thumbs up for that one. You know, all even the, the worst presidents on record have still done good things. <laughs> Is that a like backwards plug for Donald Trump? No, <laughs> Donald Trump is not a president. 
but but you know what I mean. I, <laughs> but we digress. Ri- Richard Nixon. And that's an interesting story. We should we should talk about that on a podcast sometime. Sure, sure. He's he's uh he's, I don't think he's as bad as everybody thinks he is. He certainly didn't start off that way. Hey, he opened up relations with China. Yeah, that was a big thing. He broke a few laws. Hey, what president doesn't? Well, exactly. <laughs> All right, so um, let's move on to the specific types of energy we got. So one of my favorite uh, is wind. It just seems so clean to me because you know that um, once you make the wind turbines, that's it. They can stay there for a really long time. Uh, they seem to not have a very large footprint on on you know the ground, really. Wh- whenever I experience them, I've always seen them as wind farms on the countryside, Um, either out west or here in Illinois, there's plenty of them now, uh, where they're just on a farm. And, you know, you take a 100-foot by 100-foot base, uh, you know, and you cut it out of your farm field, but then the rest of the field is just fine and normal and, like, everything goes on, you know, just business as usual, except you have these magnificent, gigantic, uh, you know, windmills that are generating electricity and, you know, sending it all over the country. Yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of wind energy. Uh, wind energy now makes up five percent of the United States total energy. Uh, so source. what are some of the negatives about wind energy? Um, so you know what people say they don't like about wind energy uh, is kind of the look of it, right? They're not a huge fan of the fact that you have a fifty meter tall. Uh, they're probably not a huge fan of the fact that I used meters instead of feet in that. Um, but anyways, it's kind of an eyesore for people. They, they have not-in-my-backyard syndrome. They don't want it around. Even in Hawaii, a place that's uh, very progressive with this sort of thing, my sister was telling me that uh, there's a wind farm on the north slope of, Mau- of uh, Oahu, and people don't like it because it ruins their view of the ocean. Well, it's and there's different kinds of wind turbines, too. Like I've seen some uh, that are pretty cool that don't really have the exact same kind of spinning giant uh, uh, paddles because it, wind turbines, um, in some circumstances, actually make noises, which would not be good, and I wouldn't like that in my backyard, for example. Um, in addition, it does take a lot of effort to build them, so there is an upfront cost, and it's an intermittent source of energy, so it's not yeah. it's not one that is just constant power flow. It's one that requires a storage facility and maintenance, etc., to keep the energy there for long periods of time now i'm not i'm not trying to piece well, anything that's sort apart, of how it works but everything has negatives absolutely absolutely um you know if the wind doesn't blow you're not generating power um also it kills birds and and bats and there actually have been like uh, uh reports of like literally that chopping down like falcons they just cut and, up the, wow and that's not great either but but they're they are trying to design wind turbines now that that have less moving parts or or, right. or are somehow uh, doing something to like try to make the wildlife not go near them. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, the ones that we're talking about are the are the really gigantic ones that you see from a distance, um, and they're you know three hundred feet tall. Yeah, like tip. driving from Chicago to Peoria, which I do occasionally. There's a lot of fields of uh, of uh, wind turbines. Right, exactly. So there are also lots of smaller ones, ones you can put on your house, and they're vertical turbines. So vertical turbines are really cool because they can operate no matter which direction the wind is blowing. See, those big ones, they have to be really smart. They have to be able to rotate 360 degrees to catch the wind right. But these vertical ones, um, it's just kind of like a tube with fins on it. 
Um, and it's going to ca- think of more like a, a like a turbine, narwhal, like a narwhal, a little bit like a narwhal. Yeah. But you have to know when the narwhal bacons. Uh-huh. Um, so it, you know, it's going to uh, be something that you may see on people's houses soon. You know, I think that, you know, this isn't the worst area for it. Uh, you get, I, I've seen those turbines on industrial buildings. What's the reason why they're not on houses where we live in, which is uh, somewhat of a uh, affluent middle class uh, to upper middle class area of the United States? I think that we live in an area where energy is cheap. We were just saying that we're paying seven cents per kilowatt. So it would hour. be expensive to build this on it's, your house. It's very, yeah. If you lived in an area where, uh, power was more expensive like california or new york then it would be something that you'd be more interested in going uh and looking at right away and logistically then you'd have to like have a storage area where that wind power went that that would then have to be uh like to store it maintenance and then there'd be things involved with that as well well in a way see you can connect these things directly to the grid and feed the power back into the power grid you don't have to have a separate power station now if you want to be completely off the grid, then yes, you definitely need to have uh, some something, some way of storing that energy to use it later for when the wind isn't blowing or when the sun isn't shining. Do you know how much it would cost to buy? Like, and, and, and would it would it power your whole house, or would that just be something that's basically something that like uh, people that have money can say, "I have a wind turbine in my roof." I don't think that you know <laughs> just slapping one on your house is going to power your entire house. Maybe at peak operations, it might. But that's not going to happen very often. It was like, you can't use the internet yet, Donnie, because the wind's not blowing up there. Get up get up there and blow into it. <laughs> That'll help. So it's not feasible yet to, to replace power. It's just something that is... Um, it could supplement you know, power. If, if you're at home... It seems like it would be a complicated situation. Like well, How, if, how if, would the power company allow you to just have your own power also? It's, it's the way that the grid works. The electricity can flow back and forth. It doesn't necessarily like the grid knows when you're supplying electricity rather than drawing it. So if you're at work all day long and you turn all the lights off in your house and it's spring, so you don't need the air conditioning on, then you're drawing almost no power other Mm -hmm. than for your refrigerator. And I'm sure that you can power your refrigerator with your windmill and then send a little bit of extra power back into the grid. Why would you send power back into the grid? Because there's nowhere else to put it. So you're you have to use it. Otherwise, you lose it. So you're helping, you're, you're, you're supplying other people power for free. No, you get paid for it. When you, uh, when you have something on your house that collects electricity, but, but, solar panels, windmills, and they're connected to your grid. Okay, but, but we just said like, that we can't really supply our whole house full of power with these vertical wind ty- turbines. So, so if you filled your entire house with wind turbines, which probably wouldn't be allowed... Uh, <laughs> right, that would be you know your your roof would cave in because it's too heavy. <laughs> then then you could be making money from the power company, like in theory. Yes, absolutely. Okay, but but then everybody, it would just be a bad situation for you. Well, I mean, it would be <laughs> you know your neighbors wouldn't be very happy. I'm sure it would be very odd. Exactly, but you know <laughs> if you live in Arizona and you put solar panels up all over your house, um, you know, and you just are pumping electricity into the grid all day long and then at night when you need to draw electricity you're basically you know just taking it out of not not literally taking it out of what you had put in the grid earlier but monetarily speaking you are uh all right well that's interesting 
Uh, so so not not uh, prime time yet. But so, so what are the costs? Do we know what the costs are for like to build one of these? Like just a regular one of these? Is this um, something that costs like twenty thousand dollars? It's millions of dollars millions? to build wind farms to make practical large scale wind farms. Well, it's I just mean like one little vertical one. Something at your house. Like if I wanted to build a vertical turbine, name it Sammy. Then, like, uh, how much would Sammy cost? Okay, well, let's find out. There's a thing called the Quiet Revolution QR6. Was that by the Butthole Surfers? <laughs> um, I don't know how much it actually costs, though. Because, like most places, they don't actually tell you. This is like uh, going to a seafood place in Chicago. They're like, market price. Which yeah, mean, yeah, which it's means, market price. Which means more than you have to pay for it. <laughs> if you have to ask Dave, you can't afford it. So it probably costs tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, yes, I would, I would say it's definitely the kind of range you're looking okay. at. Okay, but that's neat. I mean, that's something that maybe down the road we could, we could do. And then that'd be kind of a, a interesting thing. Like, would people want to manage stuff themselves like that? Like if, if you had to, let's say, say you installed like four of these little vertical wind turbines and then you were able to power your whole house. Um, that'd be, that'd be really interesting. Do but, you have, I mean, do you have the power bill handy? We can combine it. Really. I just, I'm just curious how much power we use in a month. I think it's about uh, four to five thousand kilowatts. Is that right? Well, so the power bill, okay, the electric bill is split up into two things, right? It's supply and then it's uh, delivery. So uh, I can look it right. up right now if we're interested. So, anyways, this uh, the the turbine I'm talking about, the Quiet Revolution, the QR6. Do you want to know how many really thousand kilowatt hours one. we use? Yeah, I was just curious anyways. All right, I'll check it so out. So this produces 7.5 kilowatts, and it's $53,000. What is 7.5 kilowatts? Is that 7.5 thousand? Se- yeah, 7,500 watts. Is that um, is that like in one month? That is the peak output. For when, one month? When it's measured on a wind turbine, if it's operating at peak efficiency, for it's producing... Month? Not for a month. I mean... Ever? <laughs> no, no, at, at one time. If you want to measure it... Over uh, over time, they measure it a little differently. Um, At one time, yeah, the peak output is seven point five kilowatts. Um, well, there's not like an average that like the average uh, generation here. Um, the average output of a uh, windmill is thirty four percent of its peak uh, power. So I, meaning I, meaning because wind is intermittent, but I'm it's not, not blowing all the time. It's not blowing as hard as it can. All the time, uh, you get about, on average, thirty-four percent of the peak. Well, being that we're not experts in the field, it might be difficult to translate this information. But what I can tell you is that, like our our current usage um, is about. Let's see, lost to previous to present. So it's about five thousand kilowatt hours for last month. 5,000 kilowatt hours. Okay, so that in one hour at peak production would produce 7,500 kilowatts. But I, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Why doesn't that make sense? How could a vertical wind turbine in one hour produce enough to power our house for an entire month? That's not how it works. It produces enough to power our house for an hour. Oh, that's 5,000 of those. We use 5,000 kilowatt hours. Well, again, I, I, we're not using five thousand kilowatts at once. I'm not positive exactly how this works, so I'm going to step out of the conversation. But yeah, so I, you, I'm probably getting it a little wrong here too. So, so you're saying that that if this is the way you think it is, then well, like I said, it only produces about on average thirty four percent of its peak uh, performance. So, so that's so this thing you pay fifty thousand dollars for wouldn't be able to power our house based on our average. On uh, average, usage. it would produce two and a half kilowatts, 
of power which at wouldn't, a time. wouldn't be enough for us. It would not be enough for us. It would be about half enough, half so, as much as So we'd have to have like three of them. And it's $53,000. <laughs> so if our you know electric bill is uh, what it is, then I think that we would have to live for a very long time to make that $53,000 back. So they're not feasible yet? Not yet. I've seen larger ones. Uh, like, uh, you know, there are places like breweries and stuff like that that want to say like, oh, well, we run uh, this piece of equipment off of a wind turbine. You know, yeah, stuff but like that. but man, that's so that so that's very millennial, right? That's like um, we we want this to be 100 percent renewable, green energy, sustainable uh, energy sourced. Yeah, uh, we're we're brewing things without having to actually have any uh, power from. There's comment. no impact on the ground, man. From the evil big man, man. <laughs> so a couple other fun things about wind. Um, Denmark is one of the big countries uh, with for wind power. Uh, they have 14 offshore wind farms. I don't know if you've ever seen photos of offshore wind farms, but it's just shallow ocean with windmills as far as you can see in every direction. Yeah, I get that. Um, so they, on average, on a regular day, any old day, power 40% of their homes in the entire country from these wind farms. And on very windy days, the entire power consumption of the country can be taken care of by the wind power alone. So it's just kind of neat that, like, it, it, it also illustrates how just incredibly variable it can be. Yeah, and, and I want to make a point in just that, like, I I'm, I don't want, I'm not against wind power. I kind of think it's cool. Um, but obviously there's reasons why we're not everyone is just being powered by wind right now. It's impossible <laughs> to power everything by wind. That would be completely impossible. Um, it, it's basically, some of the futuristic options may, may work, but none of the options that we have today could ever cover everything 100%. And I think that uh, maybe 15 years ago, People thought that there would be something like that. But we haven't developed it yet. Yeah, and nothing is going to get efficient enough to do that. We aren't going to have good enough batteries or efficient enough turbines to really, you know, just use one thing. We have to combine everything. And wind is a good complement to other things like hydroelectric power. Yeah, I like the the power where, like, like one thing is... is is made to do something and then the other thing gets powered from that and then the other thing gets powered from those that that happening like you like the, the rube goldberg power systems yeah i like <laughs> i like the the multiplier effect power systems oh well then you'll like fusion at the end <laughs> well of course i do but but again that's that's again not something that's well we'll talk about it but so wind is interesting not feasible for home use. Yeah. Uh, but does supply a large amount of power when in big, huge areas. So if you had the fuck you money to go buy this, would you want one on your house? No. Not based on what we've talked about. Um, but maybe one of these other kinds of clean energy. Okay. And I, and I think you mentioned it earlier. You're you're cool with paying a little bit more on the on the power bill to, you know, use the wind energy is essentially what we're given an option for here. Yeah, I mean, I recognize as well, I think all intelligent people do that, that creating power from something that is going to eventually destroy uh, the world that you live in is not a good idea. Of course, I could say right now, we were talking about numbers like, you know, there's 80 years for whatever oil left as it currently stands and 260 years for coal left as it currently stands. So that means that I really don't have to care. <laughs> and and I don't care about that many things, but I'm not trying to. We may destroy everything in completely different ways before that. But I'm not trying to ruin the world when I have all the information and facts in front of me. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of, you know... That, that would just be... That works. That's, you'd be a super dick. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of people out there that don't care, you know, and uh, 
and I, I do care a little bit. So, so yes, um, I, I see that we have uh, some shots of Jameson. Um, I wonder what sort of energy those will give us. Oh, I think it'll it'll be good energy. Whiskey powered podcast. That's what we should call our podcast. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. That one had more of an effect. There was probably more power in it. You are the Karate Kid. Focus power for effect. God, I can't believe that thing is $50,000. I can, I think. Hey, you know, I can't. Okay, so I want to move on to solar energy. Solar is uh, one of the ones that probably, um, you know, when we were growing up in the 80s, seemed like, the one that would be the uh, the alternative to save everything. And I was thinking, like, these, these wind and solar was kind of, I'll be honest, like, sort of a failure of, like, the last 30 years because... Wind has been really taking off over the last five or ten years. Do you know what I mean by that? Just that, like, we thought it would be awesome. We thought it would be better like, than it, it is. it really isn't that it's, awesome. It's harder than you think, I guess. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, but wind power. Um, well, no, now solar power. I'm sorry, solar power, yeah. So solar power prices continue to fall. So, basically, they've been... Falling on, uh, you know, on a pretty steady course, and they've been getting better. Is that on a pretty steady course? People are buying more of them, so that the cost of manufacturing is going down, and the technology is already available and mature. All of it, all of it. it, it it's a uh, mature industry at this point, and it has been able to benefit from, you know, okay, just very incremental change. Okay, and that's what any you know good industry should do: very incremental change. It's not leaping uh, in producing huge breakthroughs unfortunately you know that'd be wonderful but um it's been long enough now that it's really becoming more viable um so uh like wind energy however it's intermittent meaning it Mm -hmm. has to be used immediately it has to be stored immediately or it has to be sent into the power grid to be used immediately somewhere else um so solar is still emerging uh and it's only has about one tenth of the footprint that wind energy has so solar is only 0.6% of all the energy used uh, in the United States. So yeah, wow. I was surprised at that. I thought that solar would be a lot closer to wind energy, but it turns out that there's wind farms everywhere now. And I think that has a lot to do with it. So as far as like when you have a solar panel, um, for the amount of cost, or I'm not sure what information you have available to provide us with, but how, how effective is it compared to wind energy? Um. Solar energy is actually less effective than wind energy. On average, it's about twenty five percent effective. How how do they how do they gauge that? Okay, well they take uh, something that and they measure how uh, how how well will it operate at peak efficiency. So when the wind is spinning as fast as it can, it's spinning the turbine as fast as it can, yeah, or the sun is shining as directly and perfectly as it can be. But it's not it's that's not based on how expensive it is to purchase. Like not necessarily manufacture those? right, right, right. Because something could be really cheap and inefficient, but still work because it's so cheap. Yeah. So I wonder. Like, it's interesting because the wind is always going to be blowing at some capacity, pretty much, right? But in, at nighttime, there is no solar. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you you know, 
obviously right there you could never use only solar you would need some way of storing the solar power well so, for all of these if you're going to use them for yourself and to power your stuff self-contained you you would still need storage for any intermittent energy source yes exactly right so there are storage options. Tesla makes a thing called the Power Wall. Of course, Tesla makes a Power Wall, which is just a giant box that goes on your wall and it's full of batteries, and you connect it to some sort of renewable system, like the windmill or like the solar panels, and it charges it during the day or when it's windy, and then you use it uh, when you need it. Right, and again, like we talked about before, people are are really getting onto this. Where if they can afford something that that like it looks cool and they can talk to their friends about it and say like. I'm providing renewable energy to my house. Yes, I don't power it all that way, but some of it is from this, and isn't that awesome? Right. I mean, th- th- you've got it in a nutshell. Like They have to make it cool uh-huh. before they can make it widely available. Well, hipsters love PBR, you know, tight pants, beards, and, and renewable clean energy. Well, you know, I, <laughs> so, I'm i a fan of a lot of those things because those are good things to like. You can get a couple of those things. You can get behind them, right? Yeah. Pick, pick and choose your thing. Hipsters generally have good taste. <laughs> um, okay, so so uh, what else about solar? Like, are, are there more pros or cons that you, we can speak of? Uh, well, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously the downside is that it's not as efficient. It's not... Um, cheap the cost is pretty high it could take 10 to 15 years to pay off the investment when you buy solar you know to get that back in terms of the savings and that's if you're in an area where solar is very beneficial we don't live in an area where solar is very practical at all um you know we just went through winter we know that yeah uh (laughs) the the southwest of the united states is a very good area for solar there are several solar power plants in california yeah a lot of people out there have solar panels in their house um if, if for no other reason I've seen than... Them. I've seen them up here. It's not like it's unheard of. No, but it, to have a solar panel in Chicago is just kind of gratuitous. A little. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have solar panels in on very small scales. Uh, all kinds of road construction signs and things like that. We'll yeah, if you that. can power something only like like by that. Like your calculator is solar powered sometimes. And if that's the only way it's powered and that's fine, that's that's fantastic. I have a watch that has, uh, you know, it's solar powered. And that's been around forever, yeah. right? Those are just little tiny things. So yeah. if you can power a device, uh, a real device, like if you can power a weed whacker or a lawnmower, if you can power, and, um, yeah. you know, lights and like bigger things, then that's that's helpful. That because it doesn't it doesn't do any damage to the environment. And those are those. So far, we've only talked about solar panels. Okay, those are the photovoltaic cells. When the sunlight hits the the panels, it knocks electrons off and it sends uh, them through the wires and it creates a, a difference in charge and that's voltage and that generates power. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, solar power that uses heat essentially. So they take mirrors and they focus the sun's rays onto a certain point. Um, so uh, there, there are two main ways that they do this. They have long parabola. Do they kill ants that way? Oh, you could kill so many ants with these things. You could kill people <laughs> with this shit. Let's be honest. Well, I'm sure that they will at some point focus the sun rays uh, from... Have you ever heard of the Archimedes death ray? The uh, Mythbusters did this. Uh, no. It was a giant array of mirrors that, when aligned right, would focus. And if you knew what the focal point was, you could use it to like just light ships on fire. Right, it would destroy things because it would be so super hot that it would light anything on fire. So this is the, uh, this is the same sort of thought about it. 
I was I thought you had light my fire queued up, so I was like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the door is perfect for this point in time. Uh alas. That's okay. We'll we'll have to say that for another podcast. Well, I can just insert it in. So like the edited version will just have light my fire just go on. Oh yeah, point. we're rocking out right now. Of course now I've said that, so I can't do it. <laughs> time travel is bogus, man. Okay, so uh, you can essentially make a big parabolic mirror, which is, you know, think of like a, a half of a tube, uh, you know, cut in half lengthwise, and the inside is a mirror. So uh, what you've got is this long tube, this mirror that is focused on a, on a really tiny tube filled with liquid that's it's heating up. And that hot liquid is rotating through a system, which is powering a turbine. Show, show me where the tube is and where the, where the mirrors are. So the just use your hands. The tube would be in the mirror, so everyone can see it. Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So where's the tube? The tube is in the middle of the of the uh, the the tiny tube is in the middle of the big tube. Okay, where's the mirror? And then you cut the big tube in half, and the mirrors are on the inside of the tube, of the big tube. Okay. So, anyways, it just focuses Did all the sunlight. Get that, everybody get that picture? onto the middle. I'll put a I'll put the article up. There'll be a little <laughs> diagram of this, um, and all it does is heat. A liquid to be super hot and runs it through a turbine and powers, you know, runs a generator just like any other uh, method of generating power. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I've seen solar ovens do this. Have you ever seen a solar oven? Uh, you mean like a sidewalk in Atlanta during August? It, close, close. It just takes the sunlight and it focuses focuses it on a certain point and it's able to cook the food like that. So they do that in... Oh, uh, yes, I, I have. It's been on Top Chef before where they actually have been forced to cook that way. Yeah. Uh, in like a really hot day, you know, and, and, and they were made to use that as an oven, which is really hard as a, as a chef, by the way, because you don't really know how hot things are going to be, and it depends on the angle. Oh, yeah, angle. you've got all kinds of weird hot it spots. It depends on the everything. angle that you're like tilting yeah. it at. <laughs> so anyways, this is essentially the, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of where the food is, that's where the tube full of liquid is. Sure. So we've known for a long time that sun is like this super hot, amazing, super massive energy source. I think that we've known that since before the wheel was invented. Well, we've known that forever, yes. Exactly. The sun is the biggest thing. It's the life form. It's the it's what, what started everything and what keeps everything the going. The sun is a mass of incandescent gas. Yeah, they might be giants. Uh, check it out, guys, if you've never heard that song. Fantastic and educational. Um, I must say, uh, were you finished with that, with that thought? With that thought. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to mention that um, so solar power, awesome, right? But but there are some certain issues with it. That being that uh, manufacturing solar panels is not just like making glass. There's certain yeah. chemicals and things that go into manufacturing a solar panel, and those actually are sometimes associated with pollution. So definitely, uh, like there's these chemicals like sulfur hexafluoride, nitrogen trifluoride that are uh, a part of the production of certain kinds of solar panels which are thousands of times worse than regular CO2 emissions going into the environment. So, yes, I mean, the, again, the pros and cons, right? So, eventually, if we, if we decide as a society, um, or whoever decides these things, certainly not us, um, that solar power is the way to go, and that we should just put solar things on everything, everywhere, and just store it and use that power. Um, and that's taking it to, you know... Uh, definitely to a place it doesn't have to go to it could just be a part of this but i'm sure that we could find some way to create solar panels out of materials that are not uh as toxic etc but i do know that the recent studies have shown that like the the best materials they can make these things out of uh for a good cost are also the ones that are not very great uh for the environment 
Totally true. There are for with all of these quote unquote clean energy options, there are downsides. There are going to be impacts to the environment. There are going to be things that uh, don't work out right. None of this is, you know, perfect. None of it is purely clean. However, when you compare it to uh, what we have been doing, it's, you know, it's squeakily clean. Let's be honest. Uh, so the the you're totally right uh, when you talk about how photovoltaic cells can be dangerous like that. You know, as they get more efficient, it will be more worth using that, I think. But just like with the crazy parabolic mirror uh, and the tube in the center of it, there is another thing that is used. And both of these, uh, um, both of these ways of generating it, which they call um, solar thermal energy or concentrated solar power, mm-hmm. um, are more efficient than a photovoltaic cell in that they're just using the sun's light to generate heat directly. They're not using it to generate electricity through, um, you know, the photovoltaic process. So in Spain, there are these two gigantic um, solar power plants. And what it is is essentially a gigantic tower in the middle of it with liquid that gets heated to super hot temperatures by a field of mirrors that are just pointing at the top of this tower. So it's essentially like a gigantic death ray pointed at the top of the tower, heating the tower to 275 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, Celsius. Yeah, it sounds like the, the 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 ability to harness and use solar energy will also be probably the ability to destroy entire cities uh, by uh, you know places that that have those kinds of right. Like if you if you moved all the mirrors at once, could you like hit an airplane? Probably. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, you know, it seems like something that a James Bond villain would have made. Well, harnessing the power of the sun, which is arguably the most intense and powerful thing that we've ever seen, uh, besides maybe a black hole, which is the opposite of powerful. Um, it is all power. Well, it's 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 confusing. But in order to <laughs> in order to have uh, that explained, we would have to have one Neil deGrasse Tyson on the show. Which uh, I think we're a few years away from that. Look forward to that in 2019, everyone. Yeah, all right. Uh, but that's that's really cool. So so obviously this is happening. It's still stepping up. All these technologies are still uh, becoming older and more mature. But again, I mean, it's been years since these things came out, and and the promise of them is is still a little disappointing, right? That like you know none of these have really come into fruition where they're taking over for something or they're they're at least yet that we've talked about yet uh, are so efficient or cost effective that like you know companies are just gonna switch completely from one thing to another. Right. Nothing's nothing's made it there. Uh, companies that are trying to switch are finding that, you know, like we're saying, a mixture of all of this is the way to go. Let's talk about this uh, new drink that we've, we've both poured. By it's the way, delicious, by we, the way. We poured the drink in it, and it, like, is as high as it could possibly be in the pint glass. I love tall boy cans, man. <laughs> I really do. Um, so this is uh, brewed in Chicago, Illinois. Pipeworks Brewing Company. Lizard King Mosaic Hopped Pale Ale. Uh, so it is very light in color, almost yellow, like a, a pale gold. It's kind of bitter, like almost grapefruity, but not sour. Right. It's got the the bite of a pale ale, but almost none of the finish of an IPA, which, of course, it's not an IPA. Just the hops, and it's a mosaic. You get the hop hops at the beginning, right? and then it's very smooth, easy-drinking beer. So if you and- like bitter, light beers... 
This is perfect for you. It's not bad, and it's only 6% alcohol, so it's not like a 10%, like a crazy Belgian 12% IPA or something. Like I've seen a couple Belgian-style IPAs that are just ridiculous. But I know Jason and I would recommend Pipeworks uh, Brewing Company in Chicago anytime. Yeah. Uh, not only for their aesthetic and artwork and penchant for putting things in cans, but also because of the fact that they're a great, they're just awesome. a great brewery that has good beer. They don't have a uh, tap room. To attend to, but you can find their beers in lots of the local liquor stores. It's in progress. I will let you know. Like, for example... The moment that it's open so we can go there? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So a couple more things with the solar power. There is a cool company called SunPower. Um, they are, have a goal of installing a, solar panels on a million homes. And uh, what they do is they set people up with no money down solar plants. They come, they install everything, they take care of it for 20 years, and all you do is pay them essentially what you were paying uh, for your electric bill. So you switch everything over. And they have a couple different plans. You can uh, you can kind of rent to own or just uh, rent it and let them own it forever and be responsible for it. Um, but mm-hmm. you can essentially... If you live in the right areas and you own your house, just replace your footprint on the grid with solar power instead. And if you want, you could combine that with something like the Tesla Powerwall to give yourself a much more off-the-grid living situation where you're generating almost all of the electricity that you use all the time. For how much money? The the sun power thing is great because you essentially end up in, in, in places like California where power is expensive. You essentially end up paying what you would have been paying for your electric bill on a monthly basis to this company. You just keep paying your electric bill, but then all of a sudden you switch over and you're in solar. And once you own it after X number of years, I think it's around 20 years right now, uh, then, you know, then it's all yours. How much is the Tesla Powerwall that we were talking about? Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. It's probably market price. <laughs> Dave, if you have to ask. Does that mean $150,000? I don't think it's... No, I bet it's way cheaper. Okay. $3,500. Minus installation without an inverter. So, $10,000. So, uh, Solar City, uh, when they do all their uh, stuff installing um, all your power supply, uh, they will... Uh, give you one for a $5,000 lease. But they'll install it and do everything you need. You're saying it costs $3,500 to buy, but a $5,000 rental fee? No, no, no. From a different company. What? If you... <laughs> if you, you can lease it through a different company that sells solar panels. Yeah, yeah, but you just You said, can just buy one from Tesla for $3,500. But, but instead of $3,500, it costs $5,000 just to rent one for a year? Well, you don't rent it for a year. I'm sure it's a longer period of time. What I'm saying is they, they will install it, and then you have to have an inverter because a battery pack is DC, and everything in your house runs on alternating current. Uh, right. So you have to have something that changes the power over. That's not cheap. How much would an inverter cost? Um, I don't know what a house inverter would be. I know that like inverters uh, on smaller scales aren't cheap, you know. I mean, you have a power supply in your computer, and the power supply for a tower costs like 40 bucks, and it provides huh. 500 watts of power. So you need something to scale up to the size of your house. Okay, so an 8,000-watt continuous power inverter costs about $1,000. Okay, and that's probably 
that's uh, roughly home, what home we would use. Need. Yeah. yeah, it's so, a ten kilowatt. Uh, yeah, so if if you do get your power through solar panels or wind generators, you can convert the twelve volt direct current into household one hundred and fifteen volt alternating current. Uh, so you can continue to use the microwave uh, on your solar and wind power. Yeah, so exactly. I get it. But you'd have to you have to buy all these things right now, so it's not an easy thing. It's probably something that someone that is very devoted to this concept specifically would purchase. As is the truth with any kind of early adopters with anything. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like not all this stuff is in, on early adopters anymore. You know, Sun Power wants to install power uh, panels on a million homes. That's not early adopters anymore. But th- this stuff with the power wall, uh, you know, having a battery pack that will power your house, that's, you know, that's new. That's a new thing. Yeah, I gotcha. So, Dave, which do you prefer? You know, we're here in Chicago. Obviously, one of them works better than the other. But which one do you like more? Would you rather have solar or wind on your at your house? I don't think either in my house. But uh, as far as a power preference, from what I've heard from you, for what makes sense, I think wind is a better deal than solar at this point. Solar looks like it, it it does use certain chemicals that still in the process are bad for production. Uh, it has a much less efficiency than, than wind does. And uh, wind, you can have in, entire fields of that. If I was to have power at my house um, based solely on, on this kind of clean energy, um, I would need to know the efficiency and amount of kilowatt hours it could provide based on the expense. Sure, but you're still thinking in terms of... What one thing is going to replace it? No. I, I'm saying, I, I mean, do I have to spend $400,000 to make my house <laughs> like a wind-powered house? Because, well, for me, that's a bad question. Because, that's a bad investment. Because I'll never spend that much money on a right, house. Right, And much less a thing to power it, you know, so... But, I mean, if you lived in Arizona or something like that, getting some solar panels on your house would probably make sense... You know, over the next ten years or so, maybe I, I would have to look at it based on. Uh, I'm sure that there's some kind of uh, of like renewable energy credit or or something that like you can get back. But for me, there this, definitely are. This is still a math game about like, is it really actually helpful, or am I only doing this to save the the environment uh, like one second? Because so, if so that's the case, I don't your, care. Your your willingness to invest in this has much more to do with upfront cost, with the return on your investment, is what you're more concerned about. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Oh, but right now, yes, totally, yeah. And, and that's and so is dude, everyone else. Exactly. That's that's how pretty much everyone else thinks. So that's where this technology needs to go is to provide a better return. But on But I would say that that when solar, you've had time, you're you're not doing it. So. We need something else because they're getting is, better. This but is yes, not working. Ultimately, we need something else. This is a bridge. We have really to good. Something else. We have really good technology. We have really good scientists right now, uh, you know, and we still haven't been able to take those technologies to a better place. So, I mean, it's about time to scrap them and just take those guys and be like, you're no longer working for Hooli, you know. <laughs> but then you realize that an episode or two later, we're just gonna have to hire them all back. That's fine if they have better ideas and you know they've solved the middle out. Once they out. figured out middle out, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, would you ever want to go off the grid? Like, provide all of your own power? Me? Yeah. No, I have no reason to. Okay. Is there a reason Fair for enough. you to go off the grid? Not really. Not none, none that I would admit to the public. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, of course, everyone I think that that has a little bit of uh, rebel in them is like, cool. It'd be so great to like. 
to be off of everything and not be on the power and not have a bill from from uh, people that, that want you know gas and electric and all that stuff. But doing that makes it so hard on you that it's like it's almost impossible to live. Right. It it could be you know, you, you can spend all of your time trying to provide your own energy. So good you don't actually get to live your life. Good on those people, like for, for doing this and being the pioneers of it, but I'm it's not for me. I want to continue my quality of life and help the environment at the same time. Exactly. If what do you a, got for me? If there's any way to do that, let's do it. All right. Time for another drink. So as much as I've said tonight, you know, that there are a lot of disadvantages for things, it's, I'm not saying that that all of these things are just uh, unusable. Of course, the technology is great. And like so many things, when we start to develop a technology and over years it matures, we end up using it for a lot more than, than necessarily what it was built for. So uh, a couple facts that are interesting in the clean energy revolution, as we'll call it. Um, we've got... Uh, uh, solar power, which has, we talked about price earlier, that has gone down so much that, uh, you know, adopting it in areas like we talked about in the southwestern United States or areas where sun is very prevalent uh, is definitely going to happen. Uh, the price of these uh, photovoltaic panels has gone up down about 99% over the last four decades. So 70 cents a watt is what you'd be paying as of last year. Now that's great, but it's still not as good as the other energies. However, having gone down that much, it, it stands to reason that in another, you know, 10, 20 years, that it, it will probably exponentially decrease and continue to. Um, national and subnational energy policies are promoting renewables, and governments are considering a price on carbon. Um, me, I'm not so into the whole uh, carbon emission and carbon policies uh, that related to a lot of, like... Uh, um, you know what I connect with, like uh, the the sort of Al Gore movement of the uh, of the early two thousands. <laughs> uh, I don't think that, that that's connected to actual clean energy and science. That's uh, something different. It was more of a political movement than it was a science movement. That's for sure. Yeah, I think what you're getting now is more science and reality, which I would love to bask in. Sure. And coal use is in decline in the U.S. Like we talked about earlier. So yeah. uh, going because natural gas use is up. Yeah, and uh, more than one-third of the nation's coal plants have already closed or announced plans for future closure in the last five years. So that's going to continue to happen. Um, there are some issues. Uh, for example, uh, nuclear power generation peaked in 2006. And although I like it, and uh, it's a very interesting uh, power source, and I'm sure you'll talk about it in a minute, mm -hmm. uh, it has dropped by nearly 14% as of 2014. And the U.S., which is the country with the most nuclear reactors, um, we're also on the decline as it is currently. Right. So if, right. if that's, well, the U.S. is a big problem with nuclear. If that's something to step up, that's something that probably won't happen here because our society is so against all of that in general 
Uh, maybe there's some misnomers involved, but also we're like, you know, if, if there's an accident at a coal power plant, maybe the plant explodes. If there's an accident at a nuclear power plant, it could be a much bigger issue. <laughs> it is a much bigger issue. Yeah. All right. So uh, something which surprisingly is actually more dangerous than nuclear power is hydroelectric power. Dams failing have actually accounted for more deaths uh, than nuclear power. But that's not what I'm actually here to talk about. So basically, uh, we talked about a couple of options that you have that you can do on large scales with wind farms or small scales with the turbines on your house. And you can do the same thing with solar. You can have very large solar farms or you can have just some solar panels on your roof. Uh, the next couple options, hydroelectric and nuclear, aren't things that you can do in your house. Do not try this at home, in other words. So... Hydroelectric power is probably the oldest and most well-established of the clean energy sources. Um, it's produced in 150 countries. Everyone does it. Everyone loves hydroelectric power. You just build a dam, you slap some turbines in it, and voila, you've got power. Uh, so hydroelectric plants actually account for nine of the ten largest power plants in the world uh, based on any sort of source of generation. Uh, China alone generates 17% of its entire domestic energy with just hydroelectric plants. Um, so that is, you know, flagshipped by the Three Gorges Dam, which just opened. Uh, if anybody watches the Impossible Engineering show on Science Channel, this year they just did a whole episode about the new Three Gorges Dam. A huge part of it was just about the uh, power plant uh, inside of it. So when it is uh, operating at full capacity, it will generate 22,500 megawatts uh, at a time, you know, at once. We're almost to gigawatts. Almost. Well, they measure all kinds of output throughout the year in gigawatts, for sure. Gigawatts. So, the Gorges uh, power on, plant, back to the future, five. Man. I know the Back to the Future. You don't have to announce every single reference that we use. Okay. Uh, so, when you compare that to our largest uh, hydroelectric power plant, which is I think is the ninth largest in the country or in the world, or maybe the sixth, is Grand Coulee. Uh, which produces 6,800 megawatts. So the Three Gorges power plant is basically twice as big as the next largest power plant in the world. It is just massive as hell. Um, so some countries are already really, really big into hydroelectric. Uh, Norway gets 98 to 99% of its electricity exclusively from hydroelectric sources. And I believe they have uh, a lot of tidal um, uh, plants as well because they're on the ocean. Um, tidal plants are interesting because they're always going to work uh, back and forth. You get a few problems with hydroelectric uh, over long periods of time. They've experienced it definitely in the American West where uh, reservoir levels slowly fall, slowly fall, and you lose power to the dam because uh, the more water you can put behind a dam and run through a turbine, the more power you'll create. Mm -hmm. So if, if the water level is higher or if you can put more water behind it in a larger mass, or if you can make it flow faster, then all of those things will produce larger outputs of power. Um, interestingly, Paraguay, they share uh, the second largest power uh, uh, hydroelectric dam in the world with Brazil. So they get half of the power from that dam. They only need about 10% of the power from that dam in order to power their entire country. Also, interestingly, that's that's normally where Carmen Sandiego is. In Paraguay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I never found her there. Based on the 1990s television show. <laughs> Most likely to be in Paraguay. Where in the world is hydroelectric power? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of 
places have hydroelectric power, well established, and uh, it's you know, it's all right. There there are a lot more downsides, I think, than either solar or wind. Yeah, it's a tough one. So first, the benefits. The benefits of hydroelectric power are actually pretty cool. The biggest benefit, I think, is that it only takes maybe ninety seconds to a minute to two minutes or so for most places to be completely shut off uh, to be at a full full power. Um, you know, this means that when there's a huge demand on a network uh, on a power grid, that you can easily um, supply that demand you know when it's a surge in power by running a hydroelectric plant okay you know so this happens all the time the um power grid knows over a long period of time that you know on sunday nights everyone's going to turn their television on and on monday morning every every office building is going to turn all of its power yeah they have to run prediction uh, yeah it needs to know that it can do this so uh hydroelectric dams can respond even faster they don't have to plan necessarily if something happens all of a sudden and everyone starts using power you can just flip one on and supply extra power to the system um so that's a really cool uh thing you know that you can use it's the biggest benefit in my opinion aside from it being clean and uh renewable and and they call it a base energy source so much unlike intermittent power sources like wind and solar that we talked about earlier this is something that can be used as a base source yes you can use it all the time as norway and paraguay uh have let you know right um so uh the the biggest downsides are that it ruins land yeah you need to create a reservoir to power a dam successfully and a lot of times, maybe you're just filling in a canyon where there's not much there. Um, but in the case of like the Three Gorges Dam in uh, China, they flooded you know thousands of square miles of land, and it kills lots all kinds of, fish of farmland. Too. It certainly does. Fish can't even get upstream. You know, yeah. their fish swim upstream and they have to spawn upstream and stuff like that. They can't get past dams. So you're like, is it is it better to uh, be okay with our atmosphere or to screw up our oceans? Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> A little bit of hydroelectric power can go a very long way, as has been shown. You know, these are the biggest power plants in the world. Um, however, uh, you're also ruining certain ecosystems. You need to be very sensitive to that over the long term if that's something that's important. To and you. as being the biggest power plants in the world, they're also super expensive to build. Yes, however, it is the return on investment in these is much better. The largest one in the world, which obviously you build larger, you save more money. But uh, the uh, Three Gorges Dam is only going to take five to eight years once it's operating at full capacity to pay back the entire cost of construction. Uh Construction, which has lasted, I think, like 20 years. You know, I remember watching engineering shows about this years ago. It was really cool to see a new one uh, just recently where, you know, they, they updated you with all of the newest stuff. They have a lock on the dam that will raise essentially like cruise ships up several hundred feet it's it's freaking crazy those are fun i've been to locks before and they're they're among the coolest things i've seen happen where like a a ship will will sort of pause at a place and then the water level will basically rise to allow it to go to a place where it otherwise could not have gone and these are all controlled, uh, you know, uh, manually, but but basically nowadays automatically, right? Uh, by various sources, and that's it's really neat. 
that's a fun trick of engineering because it takes little to no power to do that. All you have to do is open gates. Yeah. That's the only thing you need to do. You don't have to pump any of the water. So I think water you like, is always done through gravity. I take it you like the Lizard King. I'm a fan of the Lizard King. <laughs> Speaking of doors references. Hydroelectric power could happen right inside my stomach as I pour this into my uh <laughs> Yes, yeah, right here. Mm. Uh so back to the <coughs> hydro. Um you know, the the other big downside to it is that over the course of a long period of time, uh, what can happen is if a region experiences a drought, the dam is going to, um, you know, not be nearly as effective. Okay. Uh-huh. And that's that's taking aside, like, you know, the other, you know, the, the effects that dams have by just sitting there. Uh, when they just sit there, they don't transport the nutrients from upstream to downstream. What happens is silt builds up along the backside of... Uh, the dam and they have to clean it out every once in a while otherwise it could fill up entirely and then no water is actually getting to the dam itself so then this base power uh, might actually not provide the power that the the recipients need in which case it would need to be supplemented or they'd lose power entirely um well odds are you would lose power entirely for a short time uh if the dam shut down entirely um and perhaps for a long period of time, because these are base power providers in certain regions, um, you know, they they are what you got. So like the Columbia River Basin up in the northwest, you know, that provides, I think, 40 percent of the power to the region. So if you live in Seattle, if you live in Portland, you know, the dams are really important to those regions. Yeah. And there are some places which is providing, you know, insult to injury and, and more craziness to this whole situation. Where there could be a hydroelectric electric plant uh, that is basically controlling the flow of water um, from one country to another country across a river or something like that. Sure. Which which would then probably lead to a lot of uh, a lot of high tension, um, you know, political meetings between those two countries. Yeah, there's a lot of tensions with Egypt and other countries because you can't control dam up the water. You can't control a river like it. it, it but exists. you can a little bit. I know. You can and, try. And <laughs> but ultimately, no, you can't. Especially not the largest river in the world. That's tough. Uh, but, you know, Egypt has built dams. The Aswan High Dam is like one of the biggest power stations. It's huge. And it just, you know, it's, uh, it's a really big dam. and A really big dam. Damn. That's a big dam. <laughs> um, so, you know, are, are they worth the impact on the environment? You know, that's the big question for hydroelectric dams. The thing that people want to know about them. I think that um, they are. The answer is probably yes, but they need to be put in places that uh, are very much like uh, orchestrated so that they don't have a lot of impact on sea life and other countries and, uh, you know, anything else that could possibly happen. Sure. And there's things that you can do. They build what they call fish ladders, which are essentially like, uh, you know, a chute of water that fish can swim up in order to bypass the dam to get right. up it. And, and that's practical for smaller dams. I mean, they tried to build fish elevators, but they didn't know how to operate the buttons. So, um, you know, one of the other, a couple of other things you, you get with it, you know, you have to relocate people when you build a dam and that sucks. And if a dam fails, it'll kill a lot of people. <laughs> Because downstream, there's always lots of people living there. It will destroy the cities. It will destroy cities. It will. And dams uh, account for the most death of any of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Dams are the deadliest. Until the solar power sun death rays. 
happened, but they haven't happened yet. So they haven't happened yet. So we're good. All right. Currently. Oh, I, I like that. I was able to bring that one out tonight. Um, so we'll move on to nuclear uh, briefly. Um, you know, nuclear is the largest provider. Uh, what we've talked about. Did you say tonight. nuclear? 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 Did you say nuclear? Nuclear? <laughs> is it nuclear? We'd like to invite George or W. Bush on the nuclear? show, ladies and gentlemen. No, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, nuclear power uh, accounts for 20% of the power uh, that we use for electricity in this country. Um, you know, the other uh, things that we talked about, hydroelectric is about 6 to 7%, wind is 5 solar is less than 1%. So nuclear is almost all of that combined. Um, so the biggest problem, obviously, with nuclear power is that it generates nuclear waste. And... By that we mean the the fuel rods at the end of the process, at the end of their life, after I think three or four years in the tanks, uh, they have to take them out and they have to cool them down. And they put them in cooling pools for another five years. And they have to cool down to until they're mostly inert in temperature and they can be moved or they can be moved to a safe site. Yeah, it takes about ten thousand years. And then and then it takes about ten thousand years for them to you know, be completely safe. So perfectly defined, no problem here. It's very fine. Just move on. Just move along. Just no, don't just... go over there for the next 10,000 no years. No worries. Move along. No problem. Nope. There's nothing to see here. Just Stay move along. Stay 500 no miles away from here. Don't don't go into Radioactive City, USA. It's fine. It's no problem. Move <laughs> along. Move along. Move along. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> clearly, as with everything else, there is downsides. Um, we all know the stories of the downsides of nuclear power. There was Chernobyl back in the 80s. There was Three Mile Island. I think it was in the late 70s. And very recently, there was the Fukushima reactor in Japan, uh, which was damaged after an earthquake and a tsunami hit it. So, you know, one natural disaster, maybe you can expect places to survive. But two of them, that's pretty tough. Well, 66% of the things could be solved by, one, not building a nuclear reactor in Russia. And two... Um, <laughs> not uh, building one right not next building to the one ocean where there are constant tsunamis and hurricanes. Yeah, that's probably a bad location for it. <laughs> However, because you need so much water and so much cooling yeah, it has for them, happen. you build it next to the sea. It's really cheap. It's more efficient. There's trade-offs. And the trade-off was that now they can't live there anymore. So anyways, um, you know, obviously the benefits of nuclear. It doesn't produce any carbon. That's what we've been talking about all night. What can we do to replace things that produce carbon? There's no carbon emissions from this. There is nuclear waste. There is chances of you know terrorism and uh, other bad things happening to nuclear plants. But it doesn't produce any carbon. So that's the problem that we're trying to solve tonight. At the end of the night, I, I'm positive that we're going to solve this problem, right, Dave? There's going to be one thing that we can just tell everyone to do and there's going to be no more carbon. Incorrect. Oh. I'm sorry. What a bummer. I mean, I, I just provided the beer. I don't, I don't know how else I can provide a solution other than give everyone a bunch of beer and they won't care what happens to them. It'll be yeah. fine. So what I see is one of the largest problems with nuclear reactors in this country anyways is that they were all built in the 60s, the 50s, the 70s. None of them are new anymore. They stopped building them, I think, in the late 70s. 
I don't remember. I don't know exactly when. I shouldn't say remember. Because I haven't heard of like a new plant that was built. Like Beyonce opened it. And like you know, you know, cut the right. Yeah, exactly. That, that really hasn't happened. It's the bomb. No, I mean no. That need... would have been nineties. I don't know. Even in the nineties, they weren't making them. So the, the, there's been no nuclear technology in this country used on a large scale since the seventies. So what I think they need to do is. Um, move into the new generation. We're going to have to use this stuff. It's going to be around for a long time. You want to step up the nuclear energy. I think that I want to shift it to the new technology. If we still have about 20% of our power coming from nuclear, that's great. And I think that, you know, that supplies a decent amount to the power grid. I don't well, know we're, what... we're not, not going to stop the supply from those places. Right. Uh, they're still operating. They're still operating safely. Well, so it's what I'm be saying fine. is, you build a new one, you take down an old one. You build a new one, yeah, you take down but, an old but, one. But building new nuclear plants is not something that's in the current agenda, I don't think. Well, we talked about wind power, not in my backyard. How about nuclear plants? Nobody wants that shit anywhere near them. It will never be voted into any, any neighborhood ever. So that's probably the biggest thing that's keeping them from being built is that, you know, n- no politician is going to say, I'm going to build a nuclear power plant in my uh, district and get reelected. So obviously what we need is underwater nuclear power plants that exist in the ocean so that we don't have to care about it and can't see it. And therefore, we don't know about it and don't care about it. Right? Well, there, there are underground reactors, which are safer. Uh, well, because of the blast radius, uh, if, if it was to blow up. It's more contained. It's more contained. Uh, so you have to go down to an elevator 200 floors underneath, right, in order to uh, to go about your day. So there's this uh, young kid who did a TED Talk in 2013. How young is this kid? He is 22 right now. So he was... 22-year-old. Okay, what do you say? He was 19 years old at the time. He 19, designed... 19. He was 19. He designed a molten salt reactor, which is a, a contained pressurized nuclear reactor, which ran on... Uh, decommissioned nuclear weapons and only needed to be refueled every 30 years. Was His idea was to build lots of very small ones and put them all over the place. When he built this? You bury them in the ground. When he built this, was he like immediately taken to Guantanamo? He or? did not build it, but he did build <laughs> He did build a help build in, uh, a, a fusion machine. Um, and, and he achieved nuclear fusion. And they can achieve fusion, and we'll get to that now. Well, is, is fusion and fission different? Yes. Yes. Nuclear fission is what we do uh, to split the atom to make a bomb. It's what we do uh, in a power plant to generate heat uh, to create electricity. I need, I need closure on the nuclear thing. So okay. Um, so this guy, which by the way was a wonderful bridge to uh, to a fusion or a fission or whatever fusion. we're talking about. Um, this guy, um, he was basically a lizard king of his generation, I guess. Essentially, yes, yeah. he is the lizard king of his generation. <laughs> So for, for nuclear energy, um, which sounds like uh, it still is something that generates a lot of power for not very much, um, uh, not as much certainly as um, any of the other kinds of, of things uh, cost. It takes a very tiny amount of uranium ore to run it. So they talk about you take a ton of coal and burn it for a couple of hours and then you get x amount of energy right. for that same amount of energy you take a pellet of uranium and that's all it is and they only use like five percent 
of the actual power contained within the uranium. So there haven't been any more advances about like safety or containment or anything like of that? Of course there have been, but they haven't been implemented into new facilities in this country. Well, what about old facilities? No? I'm sure that old facilities are upgraded in terms of safety and things like that, but the technology, the reactors themselves, they can't just, you know, they're not building new reactors. Like it would be it would be great if they could just, you know, because of how bad said, because of how bad the cons are, right? Right. Okay. I mean, it's they're not even like taking an existing site like Zion, Illinois. And just decommissioning it and building a whole new thing there. We're well, not even doing that. Because Zion would never agree to having a new nuclear reactor. I suppose. I mean, there was an ulti- there was a moratorium placed on uh, new buildings, I think, sometime around the Three Mile Island incident. So, I just think it's never been reimposed. Okay. Uh, so it's a you're, shame. You're talking about now about, uh, about this gentleman that, that uh, sort of invented some kind of new technology or... Finally put things to places they should be in order to make something happen. Uh, well, you know, I, we, we don't I have think that, much that there time, are so let's, great let's... things in his future, sure. I don't know if he's invented anything yet. He did invent this style of reactor, um, and he is the youngest person to achieve nuclear fusion. He was 14 years old at the time. Um, so you may have read about him on Reddit or something like that. It's totally the kind of story that gets posted all over Reddit. So fusion. Fusion is the holy grail of energy. In theory, a stained fusion reaction will be clean and it'll output more energy than it takes to actually start the reaction. So obviously we're not there yet. Otherwise, this entire damn show would have been about that. Um, so it still takes more energy to start the reaction than we get out of it. We haven't found a way to sustain it yet either. So there's a big lab in California. It's called the National Ignition Facility. You may have seen it on movies such as Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, where they basically shot the entire film in there because it looks so crazy and futuristic. Um, But in France, they're building this thing called ITER, I-T-E-R, and it's a gigantic combined effort uh, research mega project. So what they will be doing at ITER is to prove that you can actually get more energy out of the system than you put into it. That is their ultimate goal with this. Like, you know, I, I feel confident that they're going to actually figure this out because uh, at CERN... Why, nearby, do, why do you feel confident? Because at CERN, they set out to find the Higgs boson and they did it. Uh-huh. And I think that with this project, they're going to figure it out. Do you, do you know what they accomplished by finding the Higgs boson particle? They've created more questions, but they learned, Dave. They didn't accomplish anything. They didn't accomplish anything. No, there there were no technologies that were developed uh, as as because of that. Well, things didn't just coalesce, Dave. Someone has to come up with it. It just happened. You you got to be more patient than that. <laughs> yes. Everyone is so you know building a large facility is supposed to do something. It's well, supposed to hopefully will do something. <laughs> and 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 you know what? If it does continue to do things, that's fantastic. But like these guys could tell us that they discovered the the Blars Carsar particle, it means nothing. It means nothing to you. It means nothing to me. That o- it only means something that everyone tells you it means. It means nothing uh, for us practically in our it means society more in to our scientists. house. Yeah, but that means nothing to us. That You're means right. nothing to people. You're right. Scientific achievement needs to be relatable at some point. Okay, the moon landing was much more relatable to people. Everyone knew the moon. Although Everyone that looks at the gave moon. us nothing as well. I, I think that NASA gave us all kinds of things. We talked about that last year. The moon landing gave us nothing. The moon landing gave us all kinds of things, Dave. The moon landing gave us national pride. Space flight gave us things. 
living in in uh, you Are know. Are you saying zero, that we could have done it without going to the moon? Of course, going to the moon didn't give anything. Nothing what I'm happened. saying is that going to the moon helped drive NASA. Sending a goal and achieving it helped drive the organization. They had a goal in mind. They had to figure out all these engineering problems in order to get there. The goal with it's so funny because you're absolutely right, and and there's a marketing team at NASA like there is everywhere else, <laughs> and and the marketing team at NASA was like, we're going to the moon, we're going to make it really cool for everybody. That was before. That was that was the one thing that didn't get done by a marketing team. It did, and they told John F. Kennedy, and he was like, I'm going to the moon. We're going to the moon. All right. <laughs> uh. So congratulations to marketing in the '60s. Not only did you get us to eat, <laughs> good bacon, job, John Draper. Not only did you get us to eat bacon as a breakfast food, but you also got us to go to the moon and and spur on spaceflight. You know who the real marketing geniuses are? The, the ones rep- who got us to eat it for lunch and dinner as well. The rept the reptilians, the that, lizard king, the lizards that <laughs> that control all of our politics and government. <laughs> Man, we're just throwing back to all kinds of other episodes oh, of the Retrospectical Podcast cow. here. Yeah, check out the conspiracy episode. It was a fun one. On the Drink 5 Network. Um, I agree with you that, that nuclear power is something that should be explored more, and the advances in that should be taken uh, with a bigger grain of salt. I'm just than... saying we need to take advantage of the new technology if we're going to be using nuclear power. But if we're talking about like cons, that, that probably has the biggest of all of them. Uh, yes, but it's okay. It's like It's like flying a plane. If you die in a plane crash, it's horrific, and it's terrible, and a lot of people die. It's not like flying a plane. But it's so much safer than all the other <laughs> options. Okay, how many people die in nuclear accidents every year? Not that many. This year, probably zero. Yeah. How many people die from lung cancer because they breathe in too much pollution? That's at least one. It's... It's the, more people, is my point. I'm not sure that that's, that's a viable argument. I bet you... Oh, come on. Coal kills more people than nuclear power. Uh, that, that would be difficult to prove. At once, coal, nuclear power can kill way more people. But over the long period of time, like nuclear power is, is very safe in that aspect. I don't disagree that nuclear power should be revisited, so I agree with you. It should be revisited with the new technology available. Should we talk a little bit about... Um, about crazy stuff that might happen to be better than all of these. <laughs> Let's talk about slow development cycles. All of these fit that category. That's why this has not been solved yet, because these particular uh, clean energies are not good enough yet, not efficient enough yet, not cheap enough yet to replace the power that we currently have. True. Very true. None of it's there yet. We got it. I don't know what I'm doing here. Should we... I just jump? No, it's too much talking. I wanted to play the Lizard King for you, but I don't really know the song. <laughs> so I- I'm going to have to start over. Uh, we're talking about uh, Lizard King by The Doors? Yes, but it's like a weird, long-spoken thing, I think. And there's probably some weird stuff going on there. None of it has to do with nuclear power. None hmm. of it. If there's a song... Maybe it does. Who knows? <laughs> Well, anyway, what we're really looking for is a break so that Jason and I can cheers and have a, a little bit of a gulp before we head on to these things that could happen. Cheers, buddy. I, for one, look forward to uh, fusion power 
in my lifetime. A sustained fusion reaction producing ten times the energy that went into the system. <laughs> that would be amazing! Yeah. And and you should start watching Star Trek. For other I wanted, amazing I want it for real, Dave. I want it for real. For other amazing things like world peace. You think world peace happens if we achieve like an energy source like that? Why do people get mad at each other? Um, because someone has more than someone else. Technically, um, the the biggest terrorist groups of all time have not gotten mad at people because they have more. It's because of the the entitled nature of of someone else. Because we think we're better because we have more. Well, I think religion will always be the number one thing. Okay. But number two thing, if we're talking about, like, stuff, right? Um, energy, internet, like, all of these things that are so amazing could eventually be free. And that's, that's what the, for example, the Star Trek The Next Generation universe uh, has an idea of having provided. That everyone has everything available to them at all times and can do anything they want. No scarcity. Yeah. And and I think that would end most wars. Like, there would still be terrorists, there would still be rebels, there would still be stuff that happens, but it would be so low on the totem pole, so scarce they would be, that, like, they would never really interrupt your day-to-day operations um, statistically as a regular person. It'd be nice. It'd be very we're, nice. We're actually nearing that goal. The Holy Grail, Dave. The Holy Grail. Yes. Fusion. Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so, what should we talk about? We've got about, I don't know, let's let's give ourselves 15 minutes to just end the show. Um, I think we, we wanted to talk about, we wanted to make sure we talked about after all the other things. And are there any other just uh, clean energy sources you wanted to bring up? Uh, well, one of the things we didn't talk about, and I would be remiss if I missed this one. Okay. A dead would never let me live it down. If we didn't talk about hydrogen power for a minute, uh, powering vehicles. I saw that first on Top Gear. Yes, they, were, they had a hydrogen car. And it's funny because Top Gear seems to hate the alternative fuel cars. Yeah, oh, well, because they're car people. Yeah, they got in trouble for... Uh, is that happening? For so fudging is hydro- the... Um, the electric car test is hydrogen power happening hydrogen power uh you know I, i've read conspiracies about hydrogen power saying oh what do you, well what do you mean conspiracies the conspiracy is sort of that hydrogen power is so efficient and so good for powering vehicles and it's not actually that dangerous and that the auto industry and the oil industry i don't believe that have though. kept it down i'm just saying this is the crazy conspiracy what's the, what's the truth the truth i think is that hydrogen power uh, takes an awful lot of electricity to uh, what you do is you essentially sp- take water and you split the hydrogen and the oxygen and the, the process I think is called electrolysis and it takes an enormous amount of electricity to do this it's kind of like desalination where like it, it takes a lot of uh, electricity to just do this one thing yeah you attract one atom here and one atom there and they're done right right it takes a lot of power with our current technologies uh, to be able to do that so, so you can do it but it costs too much it costs too much at the moment so right now the biggest hurdle i would say is obviously the production that we can have because most but hydrogen gas right now is used for rocket fuel but it's not a conspiracy 
there's no conspiracy. I've here. also thought of uh, I've also heard about it like like uh, maybe a higher explosivity than uh, sure. It's gas. more dangerous and stuff. However, um, there's you know they've figured out how to do it safely. Mm. There are twelve hydrogen gas stations in California that consumers can use. Sure, it's not you know something that blows up every other week or something like that. It's but like safe. but like take this for example. Like if you're on the highway and you're in a regular car and you like flip over and you hit a car like on on a movie, if this were a movie, like if this movie were called uh, Drink 5 Retrospectacle 5, directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. Like the car would blow up. The car would blow up. You're but right. usually the car doesn't blow up. Okay, so it, 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 your hydrogen tank, you know, could but probably when... explode magnificently. However, they build safe tanks. I mean, dude, they build containment vessels for the nuclear stuff that they track that they bring and they've never had an accident transporting nuclear material so you, you so would, they can you wouldn't build think that, a fuel tank that's strong enough yeah you wouldn't think that there would be any issues with that okay. i don't yeah i'm not too worried about that part of it so continue please so you know provided there were enough gas stations i think that hydrogen cars would be pretty popular well how much does it cost a hydrogen car probably doesn't cost that much if it costs more, people won't buy it. So I think that some of the major manufacturers do make hydrogen uh There's got to be some, a lot cars. of cons to this because I've never, ever seen a hydrogen car in any major manufacturer. Because you don't to. live... Okay, major manufacturers do make them. To, uh, GM made one, Toyota makes Maybe one. Maybe they made one, but it, they're not selling it at Schaumburg Toyota. Because we don't have hydrogen gas stations here. Yeah, but that's not they, the point. There are gas stations in California... Consumers do drive a very small number. The cool early adopters do drive hydrogen-powered cars. Toyota makes one, and it's about sixty thousand dollars. So think about the first. Well, weren't there weren't there guy who bought the first Prius (laughs) hybrid? Right? Weren't there problems with the with the hydrogen tanks? Like everything is just fine. Everything is cheap and fine. It's not like cheap. Like I said, it's sixty thousand dollars. Well, you, what, what I'm getting at is, tell me why this is not happening to all cars. Because there is, it's not available everywhere. The, 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 the there must be fuel, a better reason. Must the be fuel a better isn't reason. available. There's got to be a better reason. It, it's, well, it's, that's it's where either, the conspiracy comes from, Dave. There should be a better reason as to why hydrogen isn't available. No, there has to so be. it's so clean. It's so much better. It's so much more environmentally friendly. Why isn't it around? The cars are very expensive. The fuel isn't available. That's all I can tell you right now. No, there has to be other reasons. It, it cannot just be that. that. That That is impossible. Well, I also said the electricity required to generate the fuel is expensive, a.k.a. the fuel isn't around. I tell you what, I do love this Lizard King. Maybe we should look this guy up and ask him if he knows the secrets to hydrogen power or fusion. Uh, we'd be happy to interview Pipeworks uh, uh, head brewer, but but that's a different show and has nothing to do with fusion. Let's <laughs> talk about beer fusion. Uh, but yes, I think hydrogen is the problem. So if you're talking about hydrogen, the, the, they're saying that the the Department of Energy is selling it at thirteen point five per kilogram. Okay, that means fifty to sixty dollars for a complete fill up. So it's not efficient. So even filling it up is expensive. Well, it's not efficient currently, but there's yeah. other things too. Like, um, will, will this just be a thing, or is it just like a, a like a 
a midterm kind of uh, equation. Like, is hydrogen something that is sort of similar to gas, but really is but not, not the final enough. solution? So you're buying something that is eventually going to be something that doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. I think that hydrogen power could eventually be something that's used a lot. If hydrogen fuel cells are safe enough to just put in cars, which it seems like it is because they're making cars with it, then what it comes down to is how are you going to generate the hydrogen and provide it? Personally, I think what's going to happen is hydrogen is a possibility, which may be slightly better for the environment. And if the price is probably better for the environment than batteries, if the prices go down, that's fine. But there's probably going to be a better solution for cars that comes out in the next 20 years. And so when maybe, that, maybe when, this is the solution for when cars. that comes out, this becomes beta. And so if you buy a hydrogen fueled car, you're basically putting a beta V8 uh, beta tape into your player. But remember, beta was actually a, a better product than VHS. Oh, good. And, and can you use it anymore? Or Not find, at all. Yeah. So uh, this is one so of those. Maybe that's where, you know, cars like the Tesla come in where. It may not be quite as good as a hydrogen car, but it's what's available now. It's what's popular. Exactly. And thank you, Tesla, because, I mean, you, you put the Those automated... Those cars are pretty badass. And, yeah, Tesla's so great. And you put the automated uh, driving system in there to for us to test out so that when someone dies, it's like beta. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's a, VHS will come out. It'll be better. People won't die. There's no problem with that. <laughs> No, I think that uh, hydro- or electric cars are the VHS, in your analogy. Well, regardless of electric or or hydro, I think that there will be another solution that comes up. Because uh, and SNL did a really funny skit recently where they had, uh, they had an electric car. Uh, maybe it was a couple years ago, I'm not sure. They had an electric car... And they're like, it's powered by AA batteries. And you have an easy release switch. And you press the release switch and 6,000 AA batteries just ex- exit the car. <laughs> they just... <laughs> they just A giant pile forms around the car. <laughs> all you have to do is just press this easy release switch and all, and the, all the batteries ba- come out. <laughs> and you just have to fill it up again. It's just attached. Put them back in. No problem. It only takes three hours to refuel your car. You're totally fine. For 90 minutes. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think we're still kind of in this uh, gap experience, but we're so very close, I hope, to uh, this kind of renewal ener- uh, renewable energy, uh, clean energy. And I keep saying renewable and clean. So, um, Jason, would you mind telling us the difference between renewable and clean? Because there is a huge difference. Clean energy, of course, is energy... Renewable energy may not be clean. You could... Uh... You know, burning wood is a renewable energy. It's not something that's a finite resource. You can grow more trees in a practical amount of but, time. To- but but technically, a renewable energy would be one where like you're 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 building that resource as much as you are depleting it. Right. You would have to plant enough trees yeah. to make up for what you're depleting. You're right. Um, or but, more. Okay. Think about it this way. Uh, it, it, there's uh, essentially biomass energy where you burn garbage to create energy. Of course, we're always going to be creating garbage. We'll be creating more garbage all the time. Yeah, and uh, in Back to the Future, garbage powers the the time travel system, which is very important. Yeah, they well, I mean, a large part of that movie is based around finding enough power. You know, Dave, one point twenty one point twenty one gigawatts. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, we'll bring it full circle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yes, yes, absolutely. What you're saying. So yeah, when you're burning stuff, it's not necessarily clean. Renewable essentially means that um, you can keep using it. Nuclear isn't technically renewable because we're burning ore; it'll eventually run out. Um, so that you know isn't technically uh, a renewable one, like the wind, like solar stuff like that. Okay. Oh, oh I very love nice. This lizard King. So you were that was all Lizard King right there. That's all Lizard King because that was that that's on the microphone. That's I could I could hear King. that. That is very nice. I was I, I shouldn't lean in. I suppose at those moments, but I was trying to muffle. So let's uh, let's let's rep the Lizard King one more time. What where is it from, and how can you get it? And uh, it is brewed in Chicago, Illinois, from Pipeworks Brewing Company. Lizard King Mosaic Hopped Pale Ale. Meaning they use mosaic hops. <laughs> and as far as we're concerned here on the show, um, if you guys want to listen to more of our stuff, we have tons of retrospectical content from conspiracy theories to, uh, I don't know, uh, God, uh, private space flight to uh, bacon, the history of bacon. It's, it's so many things we can, so we much can talk bacon. about. So please go ahead and listen. We to We like our to talk shows. about football from now on, now and again too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you can check us out, of course, on our website, drinkfive.com. Uh, I my name is Dave, and and this is Jason here, and 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 Jason, what do you want to end the show with? Dave, I want to end the show the way I end the show every day. I want to end with a toast. Drink five, buddy. That's right. We we broadcast seven retrospectacles a week. And we only release one of them and every we two just, weeks. And we just ditch the we other s- one. We scrap all the rest of them. <laughs> so that one we did on like uh, regrowable hands, like that was just... The episode uh, where we actually figured out which energy would solve all the world's problems. We should have recorded that but one. But it wasn't funny enough. It wasn't, and you know, we didn't record it. We had too much beer, so we were just, no... We would love to have given the scientists the information they needed. We're sorry. I heard that Isaac Newton figured out all the secrets to life, but he got drunk and forgot them. <laughs>